0: Welcome to the podcast, Let's Talk Sped Law, a podcast dedicated to discussing special education rights of children with disabilities. I'm your host and special education attorney, Jeff Forte. Now, let's talk Sped Law. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sped Law. Today, I have on the show uh, Sherry Lungarini, and I've been wanting to have Sherry on the show for a uh, for quite some time now, but due to technical glitches, we we haven't been able to connect until today. So Sherry is a registered behavior technician that currently is working at the Center for Children with Special Needs in Glastonbury, Connecticut. And Sherry received her master's degree in behavioral education from the University of Cincinnati. And she is currently uh, receiving her supervision towards becoming a board-certified behavior analyst, which is, which is quite exciting. Uh, Sherry has clinical experiences in working with learners with complex learning profiles across a variety of environments, including the home, the community setting, as well at school. And her prior experiences include working with children from the ages of 18 months to 21 years of age um, within uh, the birth-to-three system, public schools, as well as in the DCF-mandated programs. She is a uh, big activist within her local organizations, including the Connecticut Association of Behavior Analysts, as well as the Behavior Behavior Analyst Leadership Conference, um, otherwise known as Bulk. And she also is a mom of a child with a disability. And the reason why I have Sherry on the show today is because her journey... From being a mom of a child with a disability to actually going all in, and now this being her profession, is really quite remarkable. And for all the parents that are listening, you know, a lot of times your child starts to really define you, both as a parent and profession. And that's why we have Sherry on this on the uh, podcast today. So Sherry, hi, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on
1: appreciate the fact that we are addressing like both professionals and parents.
0: Absolutely. Um can you get a little closer to the mic just so cuz I want to make sure we can hear you good. Okay. Yes.
1: Is that better?
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, Sherry. Okay. Thank you. So, you know, we've known each other for quite some time, um but, you know, for the parents that that are listening, can you can you kind of go through a little bit of your journey, you know, that that we've talked about in the past from from parent, to advocate, to professional?
1: Of course. Um, so my son, Wyatt, is 12. And he has been, he was, he was sick a lot from birth. And it started there with going to Yale, uh, Yale New Haven Children's Hospital quite a lot. And around the time he turned two, um, we had an incident at one of his favorite places. And me and my husband looked at each other and went, he has autism. So I tried to get an evaluation. And at that time, you needed a PCP's, um, you know, acknowledgement that they need to have it done. And my one, mine wouldn't. So I lied to birth to three and got one anyways. <laughs> and they diagnosed him a- as autistic. And I told my doctor, he said, it's birth to three, they don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And I went back to birth to three and said, I need to find a doctor that's amazing. <laughs> So, um, I stopped our current doctor for about three or four months. Um, my doctor's name is right now is Dr. Joseph Abney Singer and he, and actually everybody at his office are amazing. We've all had a Wyatt at one point and we brought Wyatt in and he looked and he said, he, he has fragile X. And we were like, what's that? And he explained it to us. And he's like, we're going to go for testing, but He shows all the signs and we went home and Googled it. And we were just like, yep, 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 all down the line. And you know, that that was hard too. The autism diagnosis is really hard for parents. And then you get another diagnosis, and that's really hard. But we had Dr. Ebony Singer and he walked us through it and he got us in contact with Connecticut um, Fragile X. And Tammy and Andy Sellinger, who run the Connecticut Fragilex, and they were just a gift from God. <laughs> like, they walked us through everything. They really helped us a lot with parent support, with understanding. And I think that's what I, I'm mentioning this, because when you get diagnosed, you, you feel pretty isolated. It's hard to get out and go do things. And these days we have this wonderful thing called Facebook and technology and Zooms and you do not have to be alone in this. And we started up with them. And about the same time he was in birth to three, I was going back to school and I got my undergrad in education. Um, and our journey really started through birth to three because I looked at every single person We had the, because why it was so um, had so many needs. We got to have speech and OT and PT and a BCBA, ABA therapist, you name it. And I really looked at every single one of them. And I kept coming back to the BCBA because why it is also nonverbal and data doesn't lie. <laughs> we would found out really quickly what worked and what didn't. And it was, it was pretty amazing. We could try all these things and they would take data and we would, you know, we found out what worked for him. We also got him PETS, which is a picture exchange communication system, which is, starts out when you're young on a board. And then he has moved on to technology and he has his own iPad that has all of his, his um, words on it. And he does amazing. Um, so I decided to go back and get my master's in uh, behavioral education, and I got my hours, and I'm studying for the exam at this point. And I really just wanted to help other families, like I was helped. That's it's pretty. That's pretty simple. <laughs> like I just wanted to pay it forward because I get where they're coming from, and. We moved on from there and I was able to go in different systems and learn. I just really wanted to try a little bit of everything and see where my best fit was. And it turns out I like it all. I like small kids. I like the older kids. I like the kids who are about to age out. Um, I really love, you know, parent like bonding with the families and being able to help them Um, because it's a lot of testing Like there's Ables and Apels and all those parents out there will probably be like, oh my gosh, there's so many tests. Um, But one thing that I always come back to is what do the parents need? Like what would make their life a little easier or be a game changer? Because they didn't know we could help it. And those are things like um, daily living skills, like getting dressed on your own, toilet training. And I always kind of like my first question to parents is what would make your life easier? I know how much that means. So um, I've been able to work in different environments and focus on that. At the same time, um, I sort of became a groupie of behavior analysis. And I kept showing up at meetings. And they finally said, okay, we're just going to make you part of the team. <laughs> and I try to help out as much as I can. Um, just helping out at different organizations, you know, presentations, I've been able to present a couple times. And I really just appreciate the knowledge seeking of behavior analysis. Everybody just wants more information to be able to help their kids. And that's like their passion. So I get really jazzed every time I go to a conference. Um, at the same time, Wyatt doesn't have a voice. He's learning how to get his voice. And I became his voice. And to me and Dave, my husband's name is Dave, um, that became advocating for him. So I advocate um, for him at school. I advocate for him medically. Um, I advocate for him for his home therapies. And we also advocate um, locally. I've I've done it a few times up in Hartford. Um, and also we go to Washington DC for Fragile X. Um, it's a lot of things have become virtual lately, which is fine. Um, and we really wanna just share how much the exciting research for fragile X is not just going to impact fragile X. So many, so, so many things that are, you know, that are special needs and we're right on the cusp on all these great, exciting things. And we just need to keep the momentum going forward. And it's not just going to help fragile X kids, but it's going to help a plethora of just other needs. And I think it's been very exciting to see some of the changes and you know, that's, that's, that's why we do it. I always include a picture of Wyatt because I think I'm pretty easy to say no to, but you take a look at your kid's face and you get a second thought. <laughs> so I think it's harder for someone to like say no to the face of what we're advocating for than it is. And I tell them all about Wyatt and while it's a lot, we call it Wyattville. So, Gay's the chief financial officer on the communications liaison, why the mayor, <laughs> and anybody who comes into our life just sort of stays.
0: You know, right. you know, Sherry, I just I have to just tell the audience here that I mean you are a mom extraordinaire. Okay. I mean, um, just just the journey that you've provided us. Um, you know, a lot of people will just kind of stop um, and get um, get distraught right out of the gate at birth to three, and the fact that um, you've really just embraced this, um, and Dave as well, who's just such a great guy. Um, but you know, you mentioned something right now that I really want to underscore for folks, um, and that is you're you're going about the um the means of of educating um your son as if it's like a project management um you know task um where where you're you're the educator you're the provider um um dave's the you know kind of uh you know the other ceo of of the of the team and you know i'll often you know, share this with parents that, you know, you really want to get that granular in plotting out and charting out the progress and the plans that you want to achieve as a family for your child with a disability. Uh, You know, where are they going to go to middle school, right? Uh, You know, where are they going to go to high school, what are they going to do after 12th grade, but continue to be within the district's special education system through the age of 22? And what then are you going to do life planning wise for either post-secondary vocation uh, or um, you know, community-based um, living? After your, you know, your child exit out, and and you know the way in which you've just gone about this, quite you know, quite quite kind of just yep, yeah, this this is this is what we're doing. Um, it's overwhelming, right? I mean, it's completely overwhelming, and to to break it down into small steps, how do you how do you go about doing that, right? As a parent, how do you, how how would you advise other parents to kind of? you know, plot out the, the, the plan for, for your, for your child's future.
1: For the newly diagnosed when I was reading birth to three, or I have little kids now. um, If I, if parents ask, what I do is I start parents off with a notebook, just a simple notebook, because no one gets to this level, you know, the first year I wasn't. So what I did is I got a notebook and any question I wrote down, or in my head, when there's always questions, we always have questions. Um, I just kept writing them down in the book. And then every time somebody would come to the house or we would have a monthly meeting with birth to three, I would go off my checklist and be like, okay, I have this, I have this, I have this. Um, I kind of wish that there was a checklist system for parents, yeah, both yeah. new and through different ages, because I think it would be, well, I would say new parents kids that are entering school and then kids who are probably about 14 or 15 about transitioning out. Cause I think you should plan ahead at like age 13 or 14 for the 22.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Because if you're like my kid, it's going to take, it might take him that long to get to that level. And we can't just start two years ahead. Um, It depends on your child and then it goes from, okay, here's a notebook. Let's put little tabs into medical questions, ABA questions, you know, um, school questions, and you just sort of start breaking it up like that and it gets easier. And I tell my parents that if you have a question, if you are emailing anybody, um, it's always good to email them because then you have like a record of it and you don't have to like, Oh wait, I did ask her that question, didn't I? It's really easy to email, um, especially if you want to keep records of what you asked. Um, they yeah. have like the first 100 yeah. days of autism. Mm-hmm. But when you're diagnosed, nobody has time to read that.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, there needs to be, a, I think there just needs to be a more simplified um, coming out party, so to speak.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, like, welcome, <laughs> hey, get, you know, here, here we go. That's um, what
1: you need to know right this second. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> and, mentioned um
0: you mentioned uh you know records and 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 keeping keeping your your child's medical records, school records, and you know, kind of community records organized. And you know, I actually just recently did with a colleague of mine a um a program on uh school record organization. Um you know let's be candid, honestly speaking, right? Like how organized do you keep your child school records? I mean, you know, for me, obviously since my practice, I mean, we've got it down to the, to the paragraph, right. For all our kids, but, but how, how, how organized are you with your school records?
1: I'm pretty organized. I don't have like all 12 years because that would fill like a small room. Yeah. Um, what I do is I keep year to year because then I can reference back to the previous year just to make sure it's not the same, like the same goals and the same things being reiterated, but slightly different. You know, I want to make yeah. sure that the, I want to make sure his goals are appropriate. And so I keep year to year. And I have to say, um, I would say I'm a big fan of Etsy. Yeah. Because I don't have time to create checklists or lists of medicines and things like that. There's a lot of good Etsy things out there now that weren't there when I first started. We literally just had like a notebook full of all of his medical surgeries, everything with lists and dates so we could go from doctor to doctor and have that information. And these days you can find things on Etsy that like here's your special needs journey. Here's medical, here's school, here's home ABA. And it sort of is organized for you. And usually if you email them and say, look, I have a special twist I need to put on this. You can you can email them and they will probably love those suggestions and say, let me add that into the packet for other parents. I'm very big on communication. Um, communication is my number one thing. Um, because I feel like everybody is at the same goal. They're, it's very simple. We're looking to make sure that Wyatt is not just surviving, but thriving and happy. That's it. That's all I want. Right, right. <laughs> and I, like my doctor has been to his school. So I sign waivers for everybody to talk to everybody. I have, my doctor has talked to school. School has talked to my doctor. School has talked to home ABA. Um, specialists have called the school to consult with OT and PT and speech. And I find that, we, and DDS has called them as well. Um, and I pretty much just look at it as I'm an open book. I just wanna make sure that we're all on the same page. And I really appreciate the effort. I know it takes a lot of effort on my part to coordinate that, but I feel like it's so worth it because we have such a great collaboration which is not always the case with a lot of yeah. parents. It's really hard to hear stories that they're having such a tough, tough time, but um, we had the transition from birth to three and we honestly had heard bad things and like, you need to go with guns blazing and a lawyer and videotape it or tape it. And we're like, you know what? We're just not going to start out that way. That's not us. And we had to hear some hard things and we had to make them listen to us. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's every school. That's not a big surprise. You know, we had to show them just how much we knew our son. Yeah. But out of that, we were like, they were telling us things originally like, oh, like, we're going to tell you what to do. We're not here to help the family. We're going to help your son. And we're like, no, that's not going to work for us. We are a team. We are here to help you. And you help our son. And it's a team effort. And we just kept that positive Um we started out on a good foot because I think we told them that we're not accepting that we're just going to stand back and let you educate our son. We have a voice. We're his voice. And we've kept that up through about 11 years now, (laughs) give or take. And I say that we are so blessed to have such a good collaboration with our town, with his school, the school and the town. Everybody gets along and everybody knows us and they're so helpful if we run into any problems. I just picked up a laptop for my son with a touch screen, which was a parent suggestion during one of the school Zooms. Um, I didn't think Wyatt would be able to handle a, a, a mouse or anything. And she's like, oh, get a touch screen. Cause they all point to the screen because they have that at school. They have a whiteboard at school, they can touch. I just picked up one for Wyatt and it's gonna travel between us and the grandparents in school. And they're gonna start practicing remote learning on the laptop so it's something he can get used to that's not in his iep this is them going this is what's best for wyatt and we're all on the same page and we're all going to practice in different environments and generalize it
0: right
1: i mean that's it's it's big because it's really honestly knowing that they're looking out for his needs
0: now, you know, do, do you think that the reason why you have such great collaboration with your school team, do, do you think it's because you're mom first or because, because you also have a background in, you know, ABA, um, in working with children with disabilities, kind of it's like a chicken and the egg question, right? It's like, wh- which one is the more powerful hat of your two or are they equal?
1: Um, I would say a mom first. I don't think you have to be in this business to be the best advocate for your child. Um, Yes, there's terminology that I'm aware of, and I'm like, I want to see the data, and I want to know why it's not working, and can you send me the last three charts? Um, I mean, we, we went to a neurologist because we had a really hard time about a year and a half ago, and it got really, really bad, and we're like, okay, we're now considering medication for this. But I wanna make sure that he has all the proof because um, I asked for like all the data for behavioral from school. We took pictures of you know, him, uh, this is hard to say, but we took pictures of him with what he had done to himself with self-injurious behavior, like all the bruises. We wanted to show the doctor where he was hitting himself, where it was bruising and the doctor was surprisingly surprised. He was just like, okay, I don't usually get this on the first, <laughs> on the first appointment. And that's where I think like my background in this lifestyle helps is that I came with all the proof, all the data and said, look, we've tried this, this, and this. We are now considering medication and this is why. And um, it's just, I think that definitely helps, but I didn't start out that way. I started out just as a mom who just kept asking all those annoying questions, like, well, if you're going to put this on here, how come we can't put this on there? Like, how is that going to translate home? How is that going to translate to what he needs? And um, I guess I just kept talking until they listened. And I'm sort of like a dog with a bone where I'm like, until I can understand it, until you can explain it to me how it helps my son, I'm just going to keep asking the questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, Sherry, you mentioned one thing that I often try to underscore to to parents, um, including, you know, even with my own son. And that is when you're looking at what you should be including in your child's IEP, um, there's one thing called the acquisition of skills and the generalization of those skills so they are um, across multiple settings. And there's a difference between having your school team uh, simply, you know, kind of babysit your kid in school, but then the goals and objectives are not being acquired and are not generalizing into the community setting, into the home setting. Um, and you know the difference, and you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, um, both as a mom, but as, as, a, as, a, as a clinician as well. So how, how did you make that pivot, right? How, how would you tell parents to go into a meeting and to indicate that the skills are not being acquired, that are actually being shown as uh, being made with satisfactory progress on, an, on a progress report on an IEP?
1: Um, what I started doing before, as I was learning all of this is I started writing down um, basically it's what's called the ABC data in the business. But before that, it was um, me just simply writing down when something happened. I put the time and the day and then I put I just basically freehanded what happened, what happened before, what happened after, how long was it? And I didn't know it was ABC dad at the time, but I wanted to go back with them and say, look, I have examples of how you're saying this is he does it, but he doesn't do it at home
0: Mm
1: -hmm. or he does it at home and we can do it at school, but we can't do it in the, we can't do it in public. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that whatever is going in, being done in school is being done at home. Uh, We've worked very tirelessly to have ABA in the home. Um, But ABA in the home doesn't necessarily have to be in the home. It's in community as well. Right. And what I tell parents, so one thing I tell parents is, if you don't know what to ask for, think, look throughout your day with your child and find out what would make your life easier. Like I need to be able to go shopping at Target and I need him to go with me because I don't have anybody to watch him. That is a goal. And people often ask, you know, how is that a goal in education? And I said, that's very much that any goal can be translated to education because in the education environment, you then have to be able to go out on um, school trips. They need to be able to go to McDonald's. They need to be able to go to the farm. So I, I tell them to write down what would make their life easier. You know, what are these big things? like? If I could just tell him to get dressed in the morning and he does it, that would be amazing. And then you can talk to school and they can work on ADLs. And what they can do that we probably can't as well, especially if you have more than one child, is they can look and see what accommodations they can teach that child to make that happen. Um, whether let it's me, a visual let just, schedule.
0: Let let me just uh uh tell people what adl means in case they don't know. Activities oh, thank of daily you. Li- activities of daily living skills. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead.
1: No, no, thank you.
0: Soup, right.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. We want to make the, the number one goal is to anything I say, it should be able to be translatable to any parent. Right. I don't want them to like, I have to go Google ADL. So thank <laughs> you very much for that. That's
0: cool. Yeah, sure. Um, but they can do,
1: forget. Yeah, they can do things like school can do things like put in a visual schedule of what goes first, pants, you know, underwear, pants, socks, and work on those skills. And then like, wow, I got my kid to school in under 30 minutes instead of me doing everything. Yeah, he got dressed, I got his lunch bag, and we went.
0: <laughs> you know, the other thing you mentioned, too, which um, it's like a mixed bag, I would say from from parents that I talk with a lot is some parents are an open book like you are, which I think is amazing. And I think that's the right choice to be where you're signing all the authorizations and release an exchange of information so that everyone on your son's team, both private, medical, ABA, school, home, community, they can all talk to each other and they can all talk to each other because you've given them permission to. And whether that means that you're always involved in their communications with each other or not. um, The point is that it takes a village and the ADLs that you were just mentioning, right? Can easily be developed on an IEP and then your home team um, and your home clinicians can also see that set and work on it. So you're actually helping the school team implement this goal and objective of activ of activities of daily living skills across all settings. Um, and it's just, it's when it works, it works. Right. And when it doesn't work, you have to get it to the point where, um, well, where you're at a level like you are. Right. Um, which is, which, which,
1: which takes practice. It does take practice, and it's okay that you don't have those skills now. What I find, what I find best, that I tell parents is, if you, especially these days with COVID, um, they're like you had the Zoom, and there's lots of Zoom, like there's lots of meetings and appointments and things out there on education, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like, what if your kid has Down syndrome, and this is about homeschools for ABA. Yeah Tag in, look it up because you will most likely find something that fits to your son. It may not fit exactly, but it will it will probably spark an idea of like, oh wait, maybe if I made that happen, that would make this easier. Um, I find just attending conference as a parent before I started down the road. I started attending behavioral conferences. I wanted to understand why they were doing the way things were. simply. Like I, a lot of parents have all these specialties, but I always ask why they're doing what they're doing and why do they think it will work? Now I've gotten a few answers over the years of like, well, that's what we try to do for all of our kids. And I went, okay, yeah, nope. That doesn't work for my kid. We'll try it. You know, we'll, I'm pretty open to trying a lot of things. I'm pretty open but I think the best thing parents are is their son, son or daughter's own advocate. Because while there is, um, I gave a, I gave a lecture at a dental college actually one time, and they didn't understand like the parent point of view. And they're like, "Well, I have, like, I'm not going to. I have a specialty in this, and what could the parent probably tell me that I don't already know?" And I said, "The parent will tell you exactly how this diagnosis." affects their own child, how they learn, how they are best spoken to, how they would receive going into a doctor's office. Let's get them into the doctor's office first if they can't even go in there. Like you are your child's own expert and nothing can take that away. Right. Um, and you are the only person that brings that knowledge. So you're actually the most valuable person and whatever PPT, whatever doctor's office, whatever environment you're in, you are the most important person in the room because you can say how that translates to my child.
0: Right, right, right. You know, and you bring up a good point, Sherry, because throughout your child's educational tenure, right, um, you are going to be the forever present member of the PPT, Um You know, gone are the days where, you know, most of us change jobs now anyways, regardless of employment industry. But statistically speaking, at least um, here in Connecticut, directors of special education often will change districts every five to seven years and superintendents change um, every several years. And then obviously your school team will change when your child is advancing from elementary to middle school to high school age. So you can one day wake up and have an entirely new team with different personalities, different experiences, and different skill sets, uh, good or bad, um, on any given particular year or day at a PPT meeting. So it, you, you really nail it on the head in that you are the most important person at the table, regardless of your, you know, regardless of your clinical experience level, you know your child the most out of, out of anyone on the team.
1: And I think it's important to build those relationships whether they come and go, because there have been times where I've run into a wall with a, with a specific person who is on the team and I reached out to somebody else that used to be in that position. I said, look, I don't think, I don't know if I'm not explaining well, I'm not sure if they're comprehending what's going on, but we're having like, we're just missing the boat. Is there any way you could step in and just say, Hey, this is what works best for him. This is what we've tried in the past. This is what the mom is looking for. Just to, you know, maybe that would help smooth, like that, maybe that would help transition this one position better. And they did that and it worked beautifully. So I always keep the people who have worked with him close and I'm always appreciative, but they also know that I read every single line on the IP. Mm-hmm. They also know that I check every single goal <laughs> and I'm very, very thorough. I don't care what page it's on. I will check to make sure that it's best for him, that it's not something that's a repeat. Um, And I will advocate for things that they don't normally try. Um, So one of the best examples of this is that my son has been around a lot of adults because of therapy. He is very, he's very charming and he's very sweet and everybody loves him, but yet he also isn't diagnosed with high anxiety and he has a hard time coming up to kids or wanting to engage in kids and they kept saying on the ip like we'll go up to adults we'll say hi we'll go up to adults and ask for their uh, help we'll go up to adults, and it was kept saying adults and I'm like I'm like so here's my problem i'm like i really needed to say adults and peers and he is not verbal so we need to put that on his aac device like their names their faces um you know so he can i would like to see davy Like he's my friend and what they just did this year is um, they finally took it to heart and they created documentation that would give permission for actually I think all I think they rolled it out to their all of their schools or at least village and they put in that they got documentation sending out to each parent saying we have a child with an AAC device we would like to put your child's face and name on that AAC device so they can request peers. And they, if they say yes, they will put all of his peers on my, on my son's AAC device. This way, he's actually generalizing not just to adults, but to peers. And they love this idea so much that they rolled it out to um, a lot of any kid with AAC devices, basically. And the next step, um, I said, okay, once we get this done, I'm like, my next step is going to be how can I get involved with the parents of the kids that he's friends with because he can't come home and tell me that Davy he wants a play date with Davey. Right.
0: right. So
1: you tell me how I can do that. And they're like, okay, we got to think about that one too. <laughs> like, let's roll for this one. So the first stage is him requesting the second stage is him requesting a play date or a zoom call from a friend and getting it to where, because you know, there's confidentiality. So this is a way to um, work around the confidentiality. And quite honestly, I understand confidentiality, but I feel like we are in a new world with COVID where we have more chances to interact, more chances to do face-to-face with doctors, more flexibility um, in how we contact people that we really need to keep. We need to update our education system to reflect that.
0: Right, right. So let, you know, you did bring up, um, you know, the elephant in the room, this pandemic <laughs> and we're all, we're all struggling through it in our own personal ways, one way or the other, um, you know, the positives, I think we have more meetings now than ever. Um, so we're more efficient and, and techie, but, but how has it been, you know, how, how, how siloed is it for, for for your family, for, for your son, or, um, you know, um, how was it with, with his schooling right now for you? There's
1: positive and negative. Um, let me go with the negative first, and then we'll end up on a positive because I was like ending on a positive. Um, the negative was, is that the biggest elephant in the room is that our kids go to school with a one-on-one or the, the children at school who have a one-on-one have them at school for a reason, sometimes two-on-one, so that they can learn in an environment, in the least restrictive environment, but that doesn't translate home. So I these parents that are have a one, like their kids have a one or two-on-one at school, don't have that at home. And I've tried every avenue known to man um to say look my son has a one-on-one at school for a reason I'm home alone I can't be the teacher and the one-on-one um and it's been you and because of COVID they're like oh we can't provide a one-on-one but you still have to do schoolwork and I'm like well good luck with that because my kid so at the very beginning of COVID we they were like, you need to do this. And they weren't, they weren't as prepared. Um, And we had a lot of difficulty with him just getting on and doing homework. Um, I still have scars from it. I will be honest. I got kind of beat up. Um, He was pinching and clawing and self-injurious behavior. And we were blocking him. Um, I had bruises for days. And this is where I become an open book because Usually if someone tells me not to say something or they're too worried about DCF calling them or if they get hurt, I'm like, well, that's what we really need to talk about. And I'm that person that will be okay talking about it because there was probably a lot of other families like mine that got the crap beat out of them because they were just attempting to do school at home, which is completely out of their realm. They have a lot of our kids are very set in their ways. And they were like, no, school is school. Home is home. I don't do school at home. And we were so blessed. Um, So we ditched school. I mean, we didn't technically ditch. I didn't do anything official. But we stopped trying (laughs) for school. And we have um, my husband's Aunt Hildy, used to be a special, is a special education teacher. So what we did is we created our own school. Um, I called it Aunt Hildy's School of Wizardry and Magic. And I have like a little Harry Potter themed notebook. (laughs) And I... I uh, I emailed school for all of their objectives, all the way they do it, how they teach it, and I created we created a school book for him, and then we'd go over for an hour or two, three days a week, to her place, so it wasn't at home, and we just worked on things like following directions, using his AAC device, doing some PT and OT. Um, Granted, we're not experts at it, but we're like this is at least this is creating a routine for him, and she was amazing because she's also PMT trained which is basically just, it's how you hold kids that are in. Um, so PMT for parents, um, I highly suggest it if you have a very physical kid. Um, what it is, is just training of how to safely handle your child when they're doing self-injurious behavior or they're being aggressive to you. So I'm PMT trained, she was PMT trained. And when he became aggressive, we just were able to hold him and wait him out. he calmed down we do one thing that he did well. We'd praise the heck out of him. And then we would leave because you always want to end on a positive note. And then when he went back to school this year in a new classroom, I said, look, we don't just need to have homeschooling. We need to have him practicing homeschooling at school and at home because we don't have him attending. We don't have him on Zoom. And school is very accommodating with that. They practice doing homeschooling Um, at school, which is why I just got the notebook, um, the Chromebook that's touch uh, touch screen. So that is going to go to school. They can practice on his own computer. So it's generalized from school to the grandparents' house for when I work and my house. Um, So those were like the negatives, but here's the positives. Um, I thought I knew my son's learning style and I thought I knew everything he was learning at school. I think parents came back and were just like, okay, I had no idea this is what you do at school. I had no idea like this is how you learn or you don't like this and you do like this. I feel like I got to know so well what he excels in for education wise um, and what he really doesn't work for him. And I feel like that was a big gift because as I'm thinking of future goals and future teaching and future IEP goals it changed my perspective on what I'm going to be asking for on accommodations right. um, for, you know, those things that you can ask for. And I really like the fact that even though it's been a struggle to work um, and, you know, have Dave home um, because he's working remotely and I think all families can relate to this. Nobody stays in the house all the time where you get no breaks. It's just difficult, <laughs> But I feel like we also became so close as a family and he really loved having us close by all the time, which sometimes you get so busy with therapies and life and doctor's appointments. We just had to stop, slow down. And I really enjoyed that aspect of just being able to hang with him. Yeah. So I, I feel like it made us a closer family.
0: Well, Sherry, th- thank you so much. For being on the show, I mean, whenever we talk, I always am amazed at um, at you and your family, and I always learn something too. Um, so I, I really want to thank you for being on the show and for really just being so open. And um, uh, it's a real gift. It's a gift to to the show, and it's a gift for other parents that are really, you know, struggling right now. That that there is a way to to get through and to succeed and to convert your child's disability into abilities. So um, I really wanna thank you. And uh, for everyone um, that's listening, thank you so much. We're now exceeding like, I don't know, I think we're up to like almost 10,000 downloads now. So uh, yeah, crazy. yeah, all 50 states too. So that's pretty great. Um, well, thank, thanks again, Sherry. And uh, I'll we'll definitely have to have you back on the show soon, okay? one thing for any parents out there
1: our life is a hot mess it's it's not (laughs) perfect all the way around right it really is everything's chaotic everything's messy I got lots of laundry to do we are not perfect people or parents but I think we all share one thing is that we're doing what we can for our kids and it's okay to be a hot mess and still applaud yourself for being a great parent That's one of my lessons I've recently learned. So you're doing amazing, all you parents out there.
0: And you know, when you get your, uh, uh, when you become a BCBA, we're going to celebrate and I want to have you come back on the show.
1: Oh, I'd be more than happy to. I'm going to be so excited.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of Let's Talk Special.